0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you what we're watching for in OUTCU and preview the matchup with Brian Estridge. We also preview the best games of week 13 of college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, November 22nd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino. But it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack. Blackjack match roulette and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of November, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Wednesday morning. Hope you all have a fantastic Thanksgiving on Thursday. But we got a football game on Friday, people. Lock in. Let's go, Ted.
1: No, I'm excited about it. It's going to be different Um, playing the day after Thanksgiving on Friday. But I actually love where it ends up falling. We get to go play. We don't have to watch anything first. We can go play and sit back and see where the chips fall.
0: I love it. It's it's going to be different, but I am excited. Wake up. Friday after Thanksgiving, and go cover a football game. Go watch the Sooners play. I am. It's different, but yes, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to it. Now, we put another in the weeds video on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and also you can show your appreciation with what's called a super thanks on there, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That thing seems to be growing. People seem to be liking that a little more, so that's exciting. Let's dive into the matchup. Let's get straight to it. What are you watching from OU's defense against TCU's offense, Ted?
1: Well, the interesting thing is with Hoover at quarterback, it has been a far more pass centered offense. Just threw for over 400 yards against Baylor. Um, you know, they could do pretty much anything they wanted offensively, uh, but the run concepts have been really basic, really vanilla with him at the helm. Um obviously after what happened with BYU and some of the zone read stuff and the and the quarterback run game sprinkled in, it makes you curious as to to what TCU's uh what their game plan is going to be. Chandler Morris we we're all familiar with him, super quick, super athletic, capable quarterback he's been out what is a uh, sprained MCL right with the knee um don't know what his status is played a little bit against Baylor not much um, but when you go back and watch their offense whenever he was the quarterback and compare it to Hoover at quarterback you definitely see the difference. Chandler Morris is a factor in the run game in the zone read game even in the running game whenever he's given the football you have to respect him and you can tell the way defenses play as he carries out fakes or even he keeps it in the zone read game it's definitely something that you have to factor in so we have to be prepared for that and even if Chandler Morris doesn't play Hoover is you know it's not his go-to but you know, he's not a statue back there. He's a smaller athletic. He can move around. He's got some quickness to him. But it's not something they live in with him. So I'm interested to see w- what they do, who they go with. Do we see both quarterbacks? Um, I don't know. I I think definitely they're going to mess with some of the zone read stuff. So that's we're going to have to be dialed into it and prove that we've been able to fix it. Um, with the pass concepts that you see, they love to work the middle of the field and you'll get dig routes. You'll get clear with the dig. You'll get uh, an under route with the dig as a follow on top of it. A lot of different concepts work in the middle of the field, They'll work, the bubble stuff and the arc stuff on the outside off of the, off of the, you know, the RPO look, um, you know the the main threats, in my opinion, which I really like, Amani Bailey. Who he's either knocking on the door of a thousand yards or over a thousand yards as a rusher this year, and really hadn't got a whole lot of uh, publicity. You know, with, with, with what Jonathan Brooks has done, with all what Ollie Gordon has done, he's kind of slid under the radar. But he is a really dangerous back. Uh, Savion Williams, they like him on the outside. He'll just run like the little stutter fade. They'll throw it up to him, let him go over the top. He's 6'5", super athletic. They'll work him. He'll stutter and looks like he's running the fade and run the comeback. So they'll isolate him on the outside, on typically on the backside of three by one. He's the ex-receiver, and they they love to work just some individual routes with him on the backside. And then Wiley, the six seven tight end, they'll hit him on seam balls. They'll hit him on digs over the middle. Uh, they'll work him into the concepts quite a bit. Um, and like I said, recently they've been heavy pass and thrown the ball all over the yard with Hoover at quarterback. And, you know, they always – this offense is – it's from the fa- same family tree as what we do offensively, Lebby's system, Hypel's system. Um, and they're all almost always going to work – to where at the end of the game, you go to the box score, they're almost exactly 50-50 run pass. But, even with that being the case, it's more pass game. It, it looks like they dedicate more time in the pass game preparation than they do the run. Run, Gabe, is a lot of just like inside zone, um, duo you'll get they'll run some pin pull stuff to the outside you'll get your counters if you go back and watch with with Chandler Morris like almost always in the first series with Chandler Morris you'll get the GT counter with the quarterback keep on the back side of it and I haven't seen that nearly as much with Hoover at quarterback so the offenses appear to me to look a little bit different uh, with the two different quarterbacks at the helm. Um, offensive line, to me, looks pretty solid. I've, I'd like to defer to you for your opinion on them. I I'm, I know I've heard you talk about them in the past, like they're a solid group.
0: They're they're better than BYU's O-line. Yeah. Who just gave the Sooners all they wanted. And they've had some guys banged up. They've had to shuffle some guys. But it sounds like, just from what I've read from people that covered them, that that group's going to be pretty healthy for this game. So I think you mentioned the QB run game, Ted, and Kendall Bryles, that has been a big piece of his offense throughout his play-calling career. I don't think it's been a big piece with Hoover at the quarterback position because Chandler Morris was still hurt, and they didn't want to run him a bunch and get him hurt.
1: Yeah, it makes sense
0: it's the last game of the year. They absolutely have to win it to go to a bowl game. I think they are going to throw way more QB run game at OU than what they've shown in the last several weeks. Yeah, And it's because they feel comfortable that Chandler Morris is to a place where he can be effective out on the field. And you mentioned it. Hoover is hes an athletic guy. He's not a burner, but he's, I don't know who to compare him to, but I think he's similar, like he has similar mobility to a Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I, I think I
1: was thinking like Rocco Beck is kind of like yeah,
0: yeah. It's a good similar. comparison. Like he's not going to turn your lights out as a runner, but down in the red zone, key third down and fourth down situations, he he can go and make some plays with his legs. So I, after what just happened to Provo, I'll be shocked if they don't dial up some more QB run game or at least read run game where the QB keeping the football is an option.
1: Yeah. And remember last year in, in our game against them down in um, Fort Worth. I mean, one of the main plays in that game was a a zone read where we missed, messed up the fit, like a 75 yard touchdown, right? Max Duggan down our sideline. So um, it's, it's something that's in, I know that's, that's, a different coordinator and everything, but you know, they're going to be watching that film as well. So yeah, I, I expect to see it. I expect to see a lot of it. I expect them to to pull out all the stops, But, you know, I do like their pass game, all the over under stuff. You know, we were bad against the zone read against BYU. We were also horrible at linebacker in our zone drops really bad. So, I mean, I honestly, I feel like they're going to be looking at that film and licking their chops on trying to take advantage of the backers. I'm pretty confident that we're going to have a much better week at backer than we did last week, but. We're going to have to be dialed in. They're going to have some stuff for us for sure.
0: I assume that you are not overly concerned with the tempo stuff because of how often Oklahoma's defense sees it in practice.
1: No, I, I got zero concern with tempo. Um, our game plan for that, I, as much as we practice against that in the spring, as much as we practice against that in training camp, and I'm we still do some good on good stuff throughout practice uh every now and then i've got no concern with it now can it become an issue in the football game yeah i if if you're screwing up run fits at normal tempo you're going to screw them up worse at a fast tempo you know that's how things go so that's why we have to be extremely dialed in and be ready to roll if you know if you understand your responsibilities and you know the fits. You know the motions. You know the shifts. You know how to adjust what you're in. Then the tempo really doesn't matter. So, um, I, if I were TCU, I probably wouldn't run any tempo at all against Oklahoma. I would try and do what I do and shorten the football game. Not not try and go toe to toe offensively. But you know they may see it differently.
0: I think it's highly unlikely that they do that. Yeah. Just because that's it's not, not what they do now. You never know. Yeah. You you never know. But anything else, DCU's offense or use defense?
1: No, I, I honestly, you know, their, their main guys is really where the, now they've got some, they've got good skill position guys throughout, but they run the offense through Bailey at back at uh Wiley at the tight ends, had a really nice year in Savion Williams. Those are the guys that I'm worried about. Now you're going to get, you know, the other guys are going to factor in as well. But those are the guys that create, you know, some physical matchups, some size matchups that can give us some trouble.
0: The only other question I have for you is you've got the young quarterback in Hoover. Do you think BV is more likely to heat him up and bring a lot of pressure or drop more guys in coverage and make him feel like there's a thousand people in the back end of the defense?
1: I think he'll probably heat him up Okay. for a couple of reasons. I think that, um, I think we're, we're best when we're moving forward as a defense and we're aggressive. Um, and frankly, it's one of my biggest frustrations with this team is we are not good rushing three and dropping eight our zone coverage for whatever reason in the best pass defense you can be in has not been good. It's been, it's been really bad. So um, now I do think ultimately what you want to get to is a mixture of both and changing, constantly changing the look for the quarterback. And I think that's ultimately what Brent Vittle is going to do a mix between the two changing the looks, um, not really ever given him a, a moment to feel comfortable.
0: Anything else? I think that's it. All right, let's talk about what we're watching for from OU's offense versus TCU's defense. Let's start here. The structure. A 3-3-5 defense. Don't think they're going to come out in a different defense like BYU did. Uh, I think they're gonna they're going to stick with what they've done all season long and I think TCU is going to think they have the the athletes to match up with OU at the skill spots. However, BYU did do a lot of things where the backers were walked up at the line of scrimmage and, and that caused issues at times. So I will not be surprised if we see TCU in that 335 with those backers walked up to see if OU has worked out those issues from a week ago. So the first thing to watch for, where is number 52? Dom Williams is a monster. Mm -hmm. He was their nose guard last year. Uh, He's still playing some nose guard this year. They're playing him out of position a lot. They're playing him in a four technique at defensive end. But this dude is an absolute load. And I, I am very interested to see where they play him the majority of the time. I think it would be a tough matchup for Rame if he's playing a head up nose. I also, if it was me, if I was Joe Gillespie, their defensive coordinator, I would play him over Jacob Sexton. I would say, okay, young fella, can you hold up to this power? Because he is all of 320 pounds and he's got a really good get-off. I, I I don't know where they're going to play him, but that's what I would do. And quick comment
1: I, I, on that yeah do you expect to see sexton over guyton it's what we saw against byu
0: vote? and i don't think sexton did anything in that game to where bill would think he doesn't doesn't still deserve the opportunity with the way that he's played no you never know i think sexton I don't think Sexton is as talented as Guyton right now, but he's doing a really nice job. I I know it's crazy to think that Guyton is a potential first-round pick and isn't playing. It's strange, but people should know by now, Bill Bedenboe does not care about any of that. No, he does. That, that's not the best way to put it, but he he's going to play the guy that he feels like is playing at the highest level right now
1: well and it's fair to say that Guyton has first round physical traits but has not played first round level football consistently throughout the season
0: completely fair to say yeah
1: he's had moments but he hasn't we haven't come on week after week and said, that's what we've been looking for from Guyton. It's just been kind of like, right. Honestly, below the level that we thought he would be to this point.
0: It is. It's interesting. I, But yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine with whoever they play. I feel good about Guyton. I feel good about Sexton, but we'll see. I honestly would, honestly would be surprised if being mixed it up at this point in time. But if Guyton has a tremendous week of practice. Yeah, I think Guyton's the better option at this point in time, just because he's, he's a little physically stronger, but Hey man,
1: I don't know. Williams is going to be hell to block for whoever it is. Correct. How strong I, guy I is.
0: actually, out of all the guys, Rouse is the best matchup for him. And Dom Williams has played a lot over the left tackle. Like when he's been playing defensive end, he's mostly played over the left tackle. So we'll see. I would kick him over to the right tackle, especially if it's sex and see if he can hold up. But when you look at their defensive line, they're big. You look at the measurables. They look the part, man. I do think there's a, a pretty substantial drop-off between the first group and the second group. But they've got two redshirt freshman DNs Oye Wale 97 and Ibukun, Okay. Oh, do these dudes look like they were made in a defensive end lab. And Oye Wale got he got banged up against Baylor. So we'll see what that's looking like. But I am I'd be surprised if they got a consistent pass rush. They, that has been a big issue for them this season, Ted. They have not been able to generate a ton of rush with that three-man front
1: yeah well th- that's that's kind of been one of the one of the main problem i i guess some teams are good at generating the, the rush for with three guys but um you know it's it's so hard with with the three three five defense it it looks so weird to me and it really looks like ev- everyone on the field is guessing is what it looks like <laughs> like like every, there's. Like I'm used to where everything is supposed to fit a certain way. And this is like, they play off of each other. The run fits are weird and who's supporting it. Safety is weird. Um, But, you know, I, I feel like, do you feel like our gap scheme is best against this? It, that's what it feels like. It's been over the years is whenever you face this, there's, you don't have that hard edge so you can get the pullers to kick out and get around and lead up uh, a lot of times and, and feel like you get some good hat on hat.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i not sure I've seen a group of linebackers react so strongly to pullers in my entire life. So it's interesting, and the same with split flow. Jaboy Hodge, number six, when he is on the backside, and he sees pullers on a gap scheme, you have never seen a linebacker go flying over the top the way that he does. I mean, just blindly, we are running over the top to where I think these pullers are going to insert, and I'm getting there as fast as I can. So it's going to be really interesting on the counter and the the one-back power stuff, how they're going to handle that, because typically on those concepts, the front side double team goes to the backside backer, And I almost wonder if it's best to take the double team to the front side backer and then pull for Hodge when he's on the backside flowing over the top. I, I don't know if that's the way that they're going to do it, but it's something you have to think about. Now you can do that front side double team. And then you can just know that you're going to, what I call, trap him out. Basically, he's flying over the top. You got to come off quick, and then you push him by. And the and the run comes inside of them. But I'm interested to see, with them knowing, for the most part, that that backside backer is going to fly with the pullers, I'm interested to see how they handle that when they're running the counter stuff. And I'm also interested to see how they attack that because it's very strange and it leaves a big void in the backside of that defense.
1: Maybe time to break out the old fake power K-State play that we saw uh, several the fake years bowl? ago. The fake pull, Yeah.
0: I I fully support that. I still remember when they ran that and you and I were like, what was that? <laughs>
1: Uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, um, if if you can use that as a counter, now we do have the quarterback, you know, pull it out the backside on on all of those uh, gap schemes as well. So, I mean, that's that's probably going to be the way they try and slow him down or counter it a little bit. I mean, ultimately, if you can get Hodge out of the out of the fit and be working on a a corner or a safety in the quarterback run game. That's a nice option because he's a killer. Well, and that
0: is a similar, it's kind of similar to what we said about TCU's quarterback situation and why they maybe haven't dialed up more QB run game here over the last month. But we don't know what's going on with the OU quarterback situation. I, so if it is Jackson Arnold, how much QB run game are you willing to dial up? Now it's the last game of the season, but Davis bevels your backup at that point. So how, do, how does that change the way that Levy wants to call things in the run game and how willing you are to, especially early in the game to put Jackson Arnold in some of those situations. I yeah. I don't know anything. I'd be really surprised if Dylan Gabriel played just with you know how things have traditionally gone with ou's training staff and how they handle those situations I but I don't know haven't asked
1: yeah I I don't know either I when you go with how it's traditionally been handled you usually don't see guys a week later if you go off of venable's comments sounds like you know which you know even if he wasn't playing venables would say the same thing you know he's been very quick to say that yeah he's you know we expect him to play progressing so (laughs) it's hard to go off of that i know because you know he's trying to give tcu um not give them any clarity but i i don't know that that's going to be that's really the story of the game right now who takes that first snap yeah
3: uh
0: obviously a massive storyline we probably should have started with that in in hindsight, but hey, we'll see some other run game thoughts. So when they, when they want to crowd the box and, and by crowd the box, I mean, give you a six man box. They've got their three defensive linemen and then their three linebackers get in a triangle and you, you just really never see it. And Jaboy Hodge is, a yard or two behind the other two guys at the point of the triangle. And it's interesting to watch how that group of backers fits. I'm not sure if they know what they're doing or not, but it it does make it – it makes blocking that structure strange, like how you're going to target things, whether it's a zone run or a gap scheme run. You just don't see it. So very similar to the way that they play the backside – of of the gap scheme stuff, I'm just interested in what Beanbo and Levy come up with against that little look. Because normally the guy that's in the front of the point will kind of spike it and then Hodge will go over the top. But I they don't always do it. It's it's almost if they're, they're just spinning a wheel and like, hey man, I'm gonna do this this time, you do that. It it's strange to watch.
1: Yeah, no, that's interesting. I've seen people do that before in a, in a sound box. Like a lot of people used to do it in bear. Now you would have, uh, like your extra player would be stacked behind Oklahoma did it whenever, uh, Rex Ryan was, was here and they called it jet. It's pretty cool defense. And it was Ante Jones would be back behind there and just fly over the top and and go make plays. So that's interesting. I mean, I guess you just as an offensive lineman, I, you you almost like you, you go to the area, not necessarily to the man. Right. And.
0: I guess, yeah, that or you just run outside zone and run away from all that trash. Yeah. But yeah. that's really not something that we've seen a lot from the Sooners. Now, I do think QB run game can be pretty effective against this team, this team. Now, how willing, if it is Jackson Arnold, and you don't have Dylan Gabriel available, how willing are are you to get to some of that stuff? I don't know, but K State had success with it with Will Howard and with Avery Johnson. QB counter, QB pin pull, which is a play we've seen. OU run, especially down in the red zone, uh, just simple zone read. the The reverse read, whatever you want to call it, the reverse like power read play. Ted, where. You know he's reading the defensive end with a wide receiver, the running back going wide, and if that defensive end stretches, then he follows the puller and, and runs power. So we'll see. We'll see how much of that stuff that they get to, but I think you can have a lot of success with QB run game against this defense. I think zone insert, which is a play that OU has run a lot this season. I think it can be a really successful play, especially if you take the offensive lineman's track wider. So basically you would call it outside zone zone insert and Kansas state actually ran it with the backside tight end. That's inserting on the line of scrimmage, which I know you despise, but they gashed them with it. And I think outside zone in general is a really good play against this football team because They play about as lateral as you'll see a defensive defense play when they feel outside zone. And I I just think you could have a lot of success with that. But other than that, run game wise, the only thing they're really slow to react to speed sweeps, jet sweeps for whatever reason. So we'll not be surprised if Levy gets a couple of those sprinkled in. I don't know if the fan base is going to like it or not, but I think they'll work. But other than that, that's about all I got for the run game. Pass game-wise, they do not get much of a rush. Now, you got to find where 52 is, and whoever's got him, you better be ready to anchor on a bull rush. You better be ready. But they don't really have anyone that really stands out as a pass rusher. Now, Oye Wale and Ibukun Day. I think I messed OK day up the first time, but I tried my best. Those guys, they show some flashes. They show some flashes on the edge, but just not a consistent rush. So they play a ton of man. I mean, they really trust their corners, especially number two, Josh Newton. And it'll be interesting to see who he travels with because he typically accepts the challenge of the other team's best wide receiver. Uh, so will he travel with Farouk? Will he travel with Anderson? I I don't think he'll jump in and play the nickel position and travel with Drake. Maybe. Who knows? But OU's got to find a way to attack the other corner position for TCU. Uh, number 24, Avery Helm, has been that guy quite often. I don't think he runs very well. And... Levy's going to find ways to isolate him and and force him to show he can cover. And if it is Jackson Arnold, let's see let's see how far he can throw that football. Because <laughs> I I do think that that other corner spot for TCU is a weakness, Ted.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think this is the challenge, right? And this is this is what we saw down the stretch last year. That's what we've started to see this year. Teams are going to challenge us, uh, especially if we've got a backup quarterback in that's a true freshman man to man coverage. They're going to come up. They're going to say you're going to have to make the throws to beat us in tight coverage. Can you do it? Because, you know, we're, we're going to be right here at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be hard to get the bubbles. It's going to be hard to run the jets. The running game is going to be a little bit more difficult. You're going to have to beat us with one on ones. I mean, that's the challenge. And I would say that it's definitely not what I would call a strength of our offense. Um, You know, I I think it can be, I think we've got some, some really good individual players that can win some of those one-on-ones. If we can protect it and we can get some confidence at the quarterback spot and we can dedicate ourselves to to trying to win some of those, those routes. I think we can, but, you know, it for example against BYU, I mean, in order to to get those guys off of you a little bit, you've got to hit some of those deep balls. And, you know, I know we hit the one to Peruk and we missed the one to uh to Anderson, but I if you can hit on some of those, that's the only way that you're going to change that concept from a defense. If you're not hitting, like if you're throwing some some comebacks for six yards or you know hitting some other routes you're not going to get them out of it the only way you get them out of it is if it becomes apparent that you cannot cover someone and they're going to keep throwing it down the field on you so i i think that's really one of the things that we do best we often don't do it enough we'll see if we do it this game
0: yeah i i'll be surprised with the way that they play defensively I'll be surprised if Levy doesn't try to push it down the field early. Right. And show that they can run by him and make those types of plays in order to back them off a little bit. And then you can throw the shorter stuff. The the out routes, the the comebacks, the hitches. I I think you you have to you have to get them doubting their ability on the deep ball early. I, I think that's I, I think that's the approach, but yeah, I mean, it's not overly complicated. Wide receivers, you got to go win. Mm-hmm. Now there will be all kinds of rub routes, there'll be switch releases, there'll be all that type of stuff, but you got to play really physically. And, and we talk about it all the time on the line of scrimmage, but the same thing applies for wide receivers. You got to win your one-on-one battles. And that's what man coverage is. That that's what that's what they are going to challenge you. Can you beat me one-on-one? And that's that's going to be the story of the game for the passing game. Now, I did I did talk about how their linebackers really fly over the top on gap skiing runs. I I don't know what it's going to look like, but you have to run a play action counter and throw a pop pass in the void of the defense. I I don't know if it's Stogner. I don't know if you you trust fanuel enough to do that. I I would assume it'll be Stogner, but you have to make them pay for playing the gap scheme stuff the way that they do. Uh, you you just absolutely have to. And the only other thought I have in the past game is I love the matchups. I love the structure that it creates when you get in 12 personnel and you throw the football. I don't know if they trust fanuel enough to put him in some of those situations, but the way that it creates kind of a clear picture of one-on-ones Across the board, uh, to to let your wide receivers run and go win with speed, I, I really like the way that that looks on tape. I just don't know if they trust a second tight end enough to get to a lot of that.
1: Yeah, had not been something we've seen a whole lot this year. Um, no. But I I'm I'm right there with you. I, I think that that would be something good and. <sighs> We'll see. You know, you kind of feel like at this point, we're kind of, we're probably going to do what we've done, but I I wouldn't mind at all changing some personnel packages uh, against TCU for sure. No, I'm with you.
0: All right. Let's get to call your shot. This first one, we asked you guys what's the number one thing you'll be watching for in OUTCU. TCU. This first one comes from Leroy Junkins, who says play calling with how much the coaches trust Jackson Arnold and linebacker position after the BYU game. Yeah. Agreed. I think those are the two main things to watch if it is Jackson Arnold, which is what I'm assuming it's going to be, but yeah. Venables was, uh, he was rather open with the linebacker struggles in the BYU game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he's, he, he defended the defensive line and, you know, he said, uh, blah, you know, they, didn't play great against Kansas, you know, had some moments where it didn't play great against Oklahoma state, but he's like, that was not the case in this game. This, this one is on the second level. And I agree. And I, I think it's, it was, they played a bunch of guys and everyone had their hand in it. Uh, there were some guys made some good plays for sure, but there was a lot of mistakes that cost us a ton of yardage in the run game. And you heard me mention it earlier. It wasn't just run game. We were not good in the passing game either. So, uh, we've got to have a much better game at backer. There's no doubt. Hopefully, we've Stutzman is is healthier than he was a week ago, and he's been able to to practice and and, and be more dialed in. And hopefully, we've got some, you know, some. We solidified the Mike Backer position because we threw a bunch of different guys there last week, and and no one really played great.
0: I hear you. Now this other one comes from Joe Lerner, who says, "How loud the Stoops call will be for Senior Day." That guy became a dude in his time at OU. You you forget about the Senior Day stuff. That that Not adds really. that emotional element to everything. And yeah, you you always want to send your seniors out the right way.
1: Do you have any feeling on some of the guys that, you know, for senior day that aren't seniors that often go out there because they know they're going in the draft? Anyone on the team you feel like we I, may see them from?
0: Well, I think three main guys have interesting decisions to make. Uh, Tyler Guyton, it, it seems like he's going to be gone to me, but just with some of the projections, the, the talent that he's got, do I think he would benefit greatly from another year of college football? I do. Uh, I really do. I think he could go from, you know, a late first round, early second round type guy to a top 10 pick with another year of college football. And there's a lot of money that comes with that difference, but you're being projected in the first round. It's, It's hard to say, you know what? I want to go to class some more, (laughs) you know, but the two other main, or I guess three other main ones, Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman, and then uh, Jaleel Farouk is an interesting one. So I'm not going to react strongly either way. If those guys do or do not go through senior day, I can't imagine they would, but I guess you never really know.
1: Yeah. I I don't, I mean, I think you may see that from a guy that I, sometimes everyone knows that someone's going to the NFL, right? And that's typically whenever you would see something like that. And I don't think we have anyone that is just a, a 100%. Your time here is done. You need to move on. Uh, you're playing at that type of level. I don't think we have anyone there right now.
0: Everyone knows how much I like Guyton, how talented I think he is, what I think his ceiling is. It would be a little strange if you go through the senior day stuff, you're like, I'm going to the NFL, and then you don't start in the game. Yeah. That would be, I, I'm guessing that would be a first. And I I don't know, but when, when someone, when a lot of people are saying you're going to be a first round pick? I don't know if if you have much of a choice. So yeah. we'll we'll see. But yeah, other than that, I don't. I don't know. I don't think any of the defensive linemen that could come back for another year have done enough to say, "Oh, I'm going." I
1: don't. Do we have a defensive lineman that could come back for another year? I don't through know. It yesterday, we've got I think nine. Defensive linemen and edge guys that are in their last season. That's a lot.
0: God bless the transfer portal. <laughs> Start pulling the NIL funds, people. Got to yeah. go grab some defensive linemen. All right, let's learn a little more about the Horn Frogs from the voice of TCU football, Brian Estridge. But first... Love's Travel Stops now has 49 RV stops conveniently located at Love's Travel Stops across the country. Love's RV Stops provide RV travelers with a safe, clean, well-maintained, and spacious place to stop on your journey. Whether you need a propane refill, RV dump, private shower laundry facilities, or a dog park for your furry travel companion, you'll find that and more at Love's RV Stops. Visit lovesrvstops.com to research locations, check availability, and make a reservation for tonight or for months in advance. Visit lovesrvstops.com to make a reservation and find out why Loves is the heart of the highway. And of
1: course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java hamori. The Land Doctors have a 120-acre property for sale in East Norman, located just 10 minutes from campus. This completely wooded property sits at the intersection of East 120th Street and Tecumseh Road. If you're looking for a quiet place to go spend time in the outdoors or a nice little hunting spot on the outskirts of town this place is for you there are also development business opportunities with this property call colton cole to schedule a private showing 405-615-7645 or shoot him an email at colton at land and
0: celebrate with a schooner all-american ale the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Works, named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score. You can join in on the celebration with an ice cold beer from Coop Works. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. All right, here's Brian Estridge. It is our pleasure to be joined by the voice of the TCU horn Frogs. Brian Estridge is in the house. How we doing, man? It's good to see you. Always good to see you.
2: Hey, what? Well, Thanksgiving week, man. There's no place I'd rather be than right here with you, Gabe. You know that.
0: Huh? I'm a little
2: disappointed that uh, that Ted decided that Turkey was more important than me. But, that, that you know, I'm going to live with it. I'm going to do Well,
0: it. Uh, our man Ted is having some technical issues, and... <laughs> I could just, I could just tell you he's real angry, okay? Right now, but you <laughs> no are, you are a busy man. So let's let's get this done, shall all we? Right, now, let's just start with the season overall, Brian. What what has it been like for the horn Frogs this year? It seems like everything, all the little things that they were able to accomplish a year ago that led to that magical season, it it seems like all of those little things have gone the other direction this year for them.
2: Yeah, I think that's really observant because that's exactly what's happened, Gabe, is, you know, you you won all the close games last year. You're losing all the close games this year. Uh, you, You were very successful in the red zone last year. This year, you lead the country in turnovers. Last year, you had big play after big play after big play. You remember the Oklahoma game last year where the Frogs had multiple big plays for scores. This year, you're not able to do that. Yeah, you'll bust a, a long run or get a long throw, but they don't end up in uh, in points. And so, all those things start to add up. The other thing is takeaways, turnovers. Uh, you know, this team last year protected the football and took it away from the opponent. This year, it's just the opposite. And it, you know how football can be. I mean, it is kind of cyclical. And uh, I, I don't think it's a you know it's obviously not a scheme issue because the scheme worked last year. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a talent issue because you know, we all thought that the roster was actually better one through 85 this year than last year. And so, uh, you know, I just think it's a football gods uh, having their way with TCU right now. And, and some of that obviously is, is, is luck that you create on your own. Uh, and, and whether that is, you know, through effort or, or, or what, or concentration or whatever. Um, but you're right. For some reason, it just hasn't been there for TCU this year.
0: Now, there's been all kinds of issues this season, but it kind of seems like they're playing their best football coming into this game. What do you think the mentality of the team is? One one win away from bowl eligibility, and it does feel like they've gotten things going over these last couple weeks.
2: Yeah, I think the last five, six quarters especially have been really good to TCU. You know, you think about it last week going into that Baylor game, that's Baylor, and we know that Baylor's uh, down this year. Uh, but the Frogs had only had four drives of 80-plus yards that resulted in scores going into that game. They had three uh, against Baylor. Uh, this this is a group that was really good on third down last week. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I think that – and then you, you take it back a step and go to the Texas game, and you look at the second half, against Texas, where the Frogs outscore the Longhorns 20-3. to uh, And so, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they are playing much better. I think, to be honest with you, I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback. And, and Josh Hoover steps into the Iowa State game after the injury to Chandler Morris. And uh, Gabe, I think it's really starting to slow down for him. Now he's got two 400-yard passing games under his belt. Um, which had only been done three other times in TCU history. Um, I, I think the offensive line has sort of settled in a little bit. They protected him well last weekend. Um, so I think all of those things are starting to add up. I think the defense is playing with a lot more confidence uh, than it did early in the season. And, uh, you know, I, I think the staff has really harped on, you got to trust yourself, but you also have to trust your teammate and you've got to trust the system. And I think they're finally doing that now.
0: Looking at Josh Hoover, how how difference does the offense look with him behind center as opposed to what you saw earlier in the year with Chandler Morris before the injury? Are, are there noticeable differences of how they're operating offensively? I
2: think the biggest difference, uh, Gabe, is that they've had to because Chandler was not really available until last week. And the backup behind Josh Hoover for those middle week games of the season uh, uh, or middle games of the season, the backup was a kid that they had taken out of an office building in Dallas in August who happened to have a year of eligibility left from Wofford. So they didn't really have an option. And so what they did was they kind of eliminated the quarterback run game. And and you know Kendall Bryles' offense, so you, you you really kind of need that quarterback run game. I mean that's important for this offense. And so, just to protect Josh, that had been that had been sort of taken out for the last couple of uh, or, or the middle part of the season. They've added that back in the last couple of weeks to a degree. Now they're they're not at the level where I think Kendall would want to do it. Uh, they're not at the level where they where everyone's 100 percent healthy that you're going to have the quarterback run game. Uh, but they did bring it back a little bit over the last well five quarters, and and it's resulted in you know a touchdown against um, uh, against Baylor in the last outing. So that would be the only difference. Chandler had a little bit more freedom to run the football, uh, you know, the zone reads and the RPOs and things than, than, uh, than Josh probably did. But I think that's kind of evening it uh, evening back up a little bit. So I, I don't know that there's that much difference between the two. Uh, you know, I think the one thing that, that, that Josh has, I'm going to say, suffered from is that uh, the Frogs haven't been great at running the football this year of late and and, and with that me comes you know a lot of responsibility on the arm of Josh Hoover and I think you and I talked a couple of weeks ago when you when you ask a freshman to throw the football 50 times bad things are going to happen a couple of times and, and and that's that's what had uh happened to Josh with a couple of inopportune interceptions but it seems to be settling down and like you said I think they're playing their best football of the year right now
0: Amani Bailey while the run game has struggled at points in time, it, it hasn't been Amani Bailey's fault. I mean, that guy, no. Brian, it feels like he's really seizing his opportunity. He was a guy that was kind of in a three-man rotation last year with De Mercado and, of course, Kendra Miller. But what what have you seen from the running back spot from
2: you you're totally right Gabe it's it's not on Amani Bailey this this guy comes to work every day brings his lunch pail he's a great practice player uh practices like he plays i mean you you, uh, you you see it he's a terrific yards after contact guy doesn't go down on first contact uh gets to his top end speed really really fast uh and so i think that has benefited him uh but it's been the offensive line that has been the struggle uh, let's just be candidly you you lose a center and two guards and that was harder to replace than I think we thought at TCU. I thought we I think we thought we had guys who could step in, but it's really hard to replace a Steve Avilana Alana Lee who, you know, combined probably had Ninety starts uh, between them, and so you know, when you replace those guys with with folks who haven't necessarily played uh, at at this high end level, and you know, I think that's been a been a struggle for TCU, and so, uh, but you're right, it's not Amani Bailey's fault, and it's not Kendall Brown's fault either. He sticks with the run game as long as he can, but uh, there comes a point where perfect example. Baylor last week sold out to stop that run game. Uh, now the good news was they, they, uh, they forgot about the throwing lanes and and, and Josh Hoover had some time. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, the run game has not been on a, a And when he does touch it and when he, when there is something there, he's going to make the most of it.
0: Speaking of those throwing lanes, what have you seen from the skill guys for the yeah. Horn frogs? Savion Williams looks about as good as you can look in a Jersey for a wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Wiley is enormous and coming off a career day against Baylor. What what are the pass catchers? Like. I,
2: I think those I think those two are the two that you highlight, and I think you're dead on there, Gabe. I mean, Savion, you're right. When he gets off the bus, that's what they're supposed to look at at, at wide out. And he started to play – you know, you look at the last two weeks for him. He had 11 catches the other week, and I, I think he's really starting to come on as well. Jared Wiley, the 178-yard performance, had an 81-yard touchdown reception against Baylor. That's a tight end record at TCU. You're you're right. He He's a guy that is really dialed in, zoned in in his last couple of games – as a frog. It's a great story. You know, he goes to Texas, comes out of Temple, goes to Texas, and just doesn't have a great experience uh, down there. And and he credits the TCU staff and the school with sort of saving his football career. Uh, and and for that, he's very thankful. And I I think that's why you're seeing the effort out of him and the leadership out of him. He's not at 100%. I mean, you saw it after one of the touchdowns the other night. He got a little hip pointer and you know, he, he he said, hey, give me a minute. I'm going to get up in a minute, but let me stay here for a second. Uh, you know, but he's he's tougher than nails, dude, and he's the kind of guy you want on your football team. He's, I think he's a pro. Uh, you know, I think he obviously has got the prototypical body, and I think he runs well enough after making the reception. And so I think he's I think he been good. Jalen Robinson's a guy who can take the top out off of it, Who's who's been, oh, you know, pretty solid at, at wide receiver. He's a transfer uh, in here from Florida State, and so uh, actually came from – I blew that. I think he came from – South Florida was his last Central Florida was his last stop. I think he uh, started
0: at Oklahoma.
2: He did start at Oklahoma so he's made about three stops, you know, and so his passport's full. Uh but uh yeah, the uh we, there's a couple of guys like that that have come in and 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 contributed some JP Richardson you guys know well from Oklahoma State. Bucky Richardson's son has become a real uh, a real possession guy for TC, real reliable. He's in the offense a lot. And then Jack Besh is an LSU transfer who's coming back uh, off of an ankle injury, played a little bit last week. I think you'll see more of him this week against OU, another, another solid receiver. So, you know, the, the talent is there. Like like we said at the beginning, Gabe, this, this roster, talent-wise, top to bottom, probably better than last year's. The issue is, and I, I think you and I talked at the beginning of the season, you, you had five or six elite players at the top of that roster last year for TCU and you had terrific leadership. And that has been the hardest thing to replace.
0: Yeah. I think Duggan's leadership in particular has been when you've got the quarterback and he's that type of leader that Max Duggan was, and he plays the way that the way that Duggan did, I, I think they're missing that for sure. Now on the defensive side of the ball, It seemed like the hope was second year in Joe Gillespie's system. The group as a whole will make a jump. Yeah, that is, that has not happened. What, what has prevented them from making that jump, Brian? I think two things. I think big plays. Now, if you look at the numbers, it's interesting
2: and you're right. I'm not disagreeing with you. It it, it hasn't been that jump that you thought it was going to be, but this, this defense has actually given up fewer yards than they did last year uh, at this same time, but it's come in big plays and it's kind of come at inopportune times. And, uh, and that's where you, you know, when you, when you have third and 17 and the, and the opponent converts it, that's not good. Uh, and, and, and you ask, where is, it, where is it started from? I think there's a couple of different issues. One is, I think, the defensive line where you're starting a couple of really young guys across that front. And essentially it's, you know, Tom Williams started some last year at nose tackle, obviously, and, and as a freshman uh and is is playing again this year. But you got two guys starting on the uh, uh on the outside who who had not started before at TCU. Uh and and you know they've they have at times struggled. And you know how it is in this three three five man, you gotta have some dogs on the outside. You gotta have some men. Uh, because there's a lot expected of you. I think that's been one of the issues. The other issue was Johnny Hodges, the linebacker, who was kind of the quarterback for this defense, has been banged up for the majority of the second half of the season. You won't see him on Saturday, and he's really the leader of this group. Make sure everybody else was uh, in the right position, an emotional leader as well. Uh, I think losing him really hurt. And then I think you were counting on a couple of guys in the secondary who had been around a long time, Mark Perry, Bud Clark, uh, Millard Bradford, even Josh Foster some those are names you you guys have called over the years and I think you were thinking that they would take that game to the next level uh and, and that hasn't happened the other issue is the opposite corner from Josh Newton Josh Newton's been really good at corner but the opposite corner has not uh, it's been by committee they've been trying to figure that out and uh you know when you lose Trey Tomlinson to the NFL and you uh you haven't been able to replace what he was able to do I I think I think so you asked me what was wrong. I gave you five or six things for the defense, and I don't, I'm don't. i not bagging on them. I'm just saying, hey, if you want to dive deep into it, I think this is where uh, where the deficiencies are.
0: So, Brian, that's a tremendous breakdown, but I did want to give you a Teddy Lehman update. Here we okay, go. Okay, good. I want to hear this. They've had – so he uses, he uses a work computer right. to do the podcast. He said, we've had some type of security threat and have shut down our entire system nationwide – I'll get set up on a different computer. So uh, I'm hoping Teddy was not involved in
2: the security threat.
0: I I doubt it, but I can okay. guarantee you he is pissed. He's on. <laughs> so looking at that defense, yeah. One thing that has been an issue and it it kind of it, it connects with what you said about that defensive line they just have not been able to find a way to pressure opposing quarterbacks like they did a year ago how big of an issue do you think that's been when it comes to the overall success of the defense
2: yeah I, I think that's um I, I think that's a, the big thing you like what you talked about you got to have some guys on the outside in this 335 uh who is I mean uh, who are going to fight to the end who are going to get to the quarterback and and they just have not had that i mean that's you know Dylan Horton was that guy last year you knew Dylan Horton was going to be a threat at defensive end every game. And you, you were hoping that Paul Oyawale was going to be that guy. You, you, you talked about Savion getting off the off the bus. Paul Oyawale looks like that guy. He, he 97 looks
0: like, it, He yes. looks
2: like he was created in a defensive end lab. Exactly. And you you think, okay, this this is going to be the guy. And it's just not there yet. And he hasn't played a lot of football. Okay, and and so it's it's still kind of new to him, but and he's shown flashes. He really has. There have been times where you're like, oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, Uh, but it's just it's not the same as having Dylan Horton there. And you're right. That's that's been the real threat for this group.
0: With. With the matchup on Saturday. What does it look like in your mind for TCU to come to Norman? and get a win what, what what do you think are a couple of keys to the horn frogs getting bowl eligible
2: i i think a couple of things have to have i think they have to start fast i really do I, th- I think they have to take the crowd out of it i think they have to build their own confidence I, I think they have to prove to themselves okay uh you know as bill and ted would say we are worthy or whatever you know i mean i i the, the, to be here i i think that's I think that's the first thing that has to happen. Uh, you know, I, I think you can't turn it over against Oklahoma. You know, Billy Bowman's going to be around in football. We know that. It, you, you just can't give it to him. Uh, and 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 you know, at, at, you got to be good in the red zone. And, and and I know this sounds like coach speak, but TCU hasn't been good in the red zone. Too many red zone turnovers, and you can't afford to do that against Oklahoma when given the opportunity. So, to me, though, the biggest key is just starting fast. I, I think they've got to know. Because I think if they can stick around and, and be in it for the long haul, uh, you know, they're they're due for something good to happen to them. Um, but but I think they have to early on have some success.
0: Now there's been there's been a lot of conversation about Sonny Dykes handling going and playing in the national title game in his first year there. And now where they're at this season, with how the season has gone. I'm wondering, how are you, man? Play by play, you're calling the national championship game, and now you're fighting for bowl eligibility the last (laughs) week of the season. Are you okay, Brian?
2: Yeah, you know what they call that. They call it college football, right? Uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's hey it's a lot different there's no question but i here's the thing that's rewarding it's a it's a and, and you get tired of hearing this kind of stuff i know because everybody says it, but I, but i but i'm i'm speaking the truth here gabe it's a group of young i really like being around these young guys i think they're good guys i think the coaching staff is working their tail off um i i think it has been a bit of and i'm going to use this word and it's not the right word but my vocabulary is really small uh there has been a bit of a bird on this team, on the hangover from last year, carrying it for for a couple of reasons. One is you had the pressure of trying to mimic that. And you know how hard that is to do, especially in this college football era. Uh, So you had the pressure of trying to mimic the success that you had last year. And that came from the beginning. Secondly, you also had the hangover from the Georgia game where people were talking about you when you had a bad, you picked a bad day to have a bad day and said, yeah, you see, they weren't supposed to be there, blah, 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 blah. You had that you had that burden on you as well to try to disprove that. And I think early in the season, man, it was hard to shake that, you know, it was this uh, anvil they were carrying around on their shoulders. And, um, you, you, you know, there was a point in the midseason where they finally, I think, released it and said, fine, OK, that's that was last year. We got to we got to worry about this year and worry about next year. Uh, and so I, I think that's where they are right now. That's why this team really wants to get bowl eligible. I talked to several of them this week, talked to Sonny Dykes, and he said, hey, man, if we get bowl eligible Friday, we might stop at the outlet parking lot outside of Denton that's now empty and practice. Because he said that's that this team really wants to practice. They really want to have those additional bowl practices to because of for next year and so that's not a coach saying that i mean I, that was Sonny telling me that but that was him just reiterating what these players are telling him and so i i think because of that it it, it kind of gives you uh it it kind of keeps you focused and and uh and, and ready for whatever may come and uh, you know i i really think you're going to see a good effort from tcu you know it, it, if they get blown out by 70 uh friday against oklahoma it will surprise me put it that way
0: me too brian you're the man Always fun talking football with you, buddy. And we'll see you in Norman on sat- Saturday. No, Friday. Oh, you'll see Friday. me Friday, man. Yeah. Hey, have a good Thanksgiving game.
1: Appreciate appreciate you, brother.
0: Dad, I know it broke your heart to miss Estridge. I'm sorry, man.
1: I know. He is awesome. Outside of the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Toby Rowland, I think uh, Estridge is the best there is. He's fantastic at what he does.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like. TCU feeling pretty good about things heading in this game, you know, playing some of their best football. Now Baylor's Baylor. That's a bad football team, but still a uh they got it, they got a little momentum coming into this
1: one. What happened to Baylor? Is Aranda done? Is he gone?
0: Their defense is atrocious. And it's he's awful. a defensive guy. I don't know, man. It looks he's- like
1: he's got he's got the strange
0: personality already people will and he's a super nice guy but he's just a different guy and people will what's the best way to put it people will overlook that some of the peculiarities if you're winning football games if you're losing football games his whole introspective thing it just doesn't play very well with football fans. I'm just gonna be honest.
1: Not when you're playing bad. It doesn't. Not when you're playing when you're playing good, it's like, man, he's different. I love the energy. Exactly. I love how he how he handles it. You're playing bad. It's like it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
0: All right, let's get to our week 13 previews.
1: But first. John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma Breakdown. Listeners go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie and tell them we sent you. They'll give you a $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans for 40 years, family-owned and operated, no matter what your vehicle needs are. John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. You can find all the information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com.
0: And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot
1: And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Week 13 of college
0: football. Only one place to start. Number two Ohio State at number 3 Michigan. This game Saturday at 11 a.m. Central on Fox. Michigan, currently a three-point favorite. Ted, I feel like there's two ways to look at this game. What do I think is going to happen? Or what do I want to happen? And I want the football gods to punish Michigan. That's what I want but I just don't know if Ohio state is going to be going to be able to hold up at the line of scrimmage against Michigan. That has been the issue the last couple of seasons. How do you see this one going? I want Michigan to lose. I just, they're really good.
1: Yeah, they are. But so is Ohio state. All right. It, it's been crazy because, you know, outside of, the obvious controversy with Michigan. Hasn't this been because of the schedule? Hasn't this been like the quietest year you can remember for both Ohio state and Michigan? It's almost like college football has been crazy and all kinds of great stuff has happened. And then Ohio state, Michigan are off in their own world playing whoever Uh, it's been strange. Now I think Michigan is better on the line of scrimmage on both sides. I think they have kind of flipped the like the mental game. Like, Ohio State had the edge over Michigan forever, right? Like the last 20 years it's been crazy. And all of a sudden Michigan wins two in a row and Ohio State like melts and falls apart and the fan base gets pissed and like everything is just is crazy. Um, I'm anxious to see what that edge looks like with Michigan and Ohio State. I think this could be one of the chippiest games between the two that we've seen. Um, I, I I favor Michigan, but I also have to wonder how much does losing a posi- position coach for this game affect him with the linebacker coach, you know, being gone? I mean, you get to some point where, like, I, for the most part, this has been a distraction for Michigan, and it's kind of been something that they've, they've come together with and us against the world, but this is really the first time that it's moved from the distraction to an actual, this is affecting how we prepare and coach and practice with not having their linebacker coach. So I as long as that's not something that really disrupts the way Michigan plays, I take them, but, you know, I, and I'm open to Ohio state being able to go in and get that win, but I lean Michigan.
0: I I do as well, but Ohio state's defense is better than it's been the last couple of years. I mean, Jim Knowles is doing a really good job. I do think that, I don't think Michigan's going to be able to play the way that they did against Penn State JJ McCarthy's gonna have to throw the football and he's going to have to make some big tight window throws in this game and I don't think he's a hundred percent and they've had problems protecting him these last couple weeks in Ohio State they they've got some dudes at the edge position so When McCarthy has to make those throws, do they protect him well? And then can he throw accurate balls? We'll see. But on the other side, Ohio State's offense has found a rhythm lately. And it's got a lot to do with Travion Henderson being one hell of a football player when he's healthy. They also have that Marvin Harrison Jr. guy. (laughs) I got a feeling he's going to make some plays in this game, but is Kyle McCord a guy that is capable of going on the road and picking a Michigan secondary apart? I don't know. Maybe, but this is what I do know. Jim Harbaugh is not going to be on the sideline. If Ryan Day doesn't win this one, and I know it's at the big house, I understand that, but I don't even know what the reaction from Ohio State fans is going to be if Ryan Day and this team doesn't go get this one done with Jim Harbaugh not being on the sideline for the game.
1: Yeah, especially if it looks the same way it has the last two years, which is pile everyone in there, win the line of scrimmage, and then beat you with shots, all right? hit you with some big plays and take advantage of, of you really selling out to stop the run and everything there in in the box. And yeah, it, this one, the stakes are high in this one, which is what we want. Right. And it's not just the rivalry, even though it's as hot as it's ever been college football playoff is, this is essentially an elimination game.
0: It's going to be awesome. Yep. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But I think I've made my position on the matchup clear. (laughs) But we'll see, man. I mean, Michigan is a really good football team. Moving on to the next game. An interesting one in Austin on Friday night. Texas Tech playing their best football of the season. Travels to number seven, Texas, 630 ABC on Friday night. Texas is currently a 12 and a half point favorite. And this is why I wanted to preview this one. Are we cheering for Texas?
1: I don't know. I mean, at this point, the most simple solution is Texas wins. Oklahoma State loses. Do we think BYU can beat Oklahoma State? Well, the BYU team that we played on Saturday, yes, but that will not be the same BYU team that shows up in Stillwater. It never happens that way for whatever reason.
0: Well, I also think that Oklahoma State's inside backers will be able to fit the run. Nicholas Martin's pretty good.
1: Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, I, I, I favor both be uh, both Oklahoma state and Texas pretty solidly in their football games.
0: I I am with you the easiest ways, so let's just run through the scenarios real quick. I think there's, there's three main options here for OU to make the big 12 championship game. OSU loses to BYU and Texas wins. That's the easiest way. If Texas and OSU both lose, which seems unlikely. OU is in if Texas loses and OSU wins then i believe you need Kansas State to lose to Iowa State so i don't really know what we're cheering for but there are a couple of options for the Sooners to play for a Big 12 championship
1: yeah yeah i i yeah i don't know i i think tech is they're a dangerous football team right now I just think that – I think Texas has has so much on the line, and it's the talent they've got, the big play on offense and the front seven on defense. You know, that's that's the real strength of the football team. And, you know, it. it it's a factor, obviously, not having Brooks. Whenever he went down, the run game is not as good. And I, I would say that Ewers was really good against Iowa State and made a lot of really big – big throws, uh, found their stars. And if he does that again, and he's able to find the stars against Texas Tech, then they're going to win the football game. Tech's going to give it a shot, though. They're going to give it a really nice run at it. I I think you could see a game that is really tight for maybe two or three quarters, and then Texas finds a way to pull away in the fourth.
0: I, I do think Tech doesn't... They've got no pressure on them in this game other than what Joey McGuire said in that locker room after they beat him a year ago, that's going to come up. (laughs) I mean, but they got to bowl eligibility with their win over UCF last week. So all of the pressure, all of it is on Texas, right? You've got Big 12 championship game on the line. You've got college football playoff on the line. You know, all of the pressure is on the Longhorns. But when you look at the matchup, Taj Brooks has been, So good for Texas Tech. He's been one of the best backs in college football that you don't hear hardly anything about. But Texas's defense, that front seven, really no one has been able to run on them, except for OU. And as awesome as Taj Brooks has been this season, I just can't imagine they're going to gash Texas with the running game, which means... Baron Morton's going to have to play the game of his life. And can he lead his team to one of the more satisfying upsets in school history? Eh, I don't know, man. It just. Texas is a really good football team. I I think that. I think that win in Ames was like a big sigh of relief for Steve Sarkeesian and, and for those players. And it just. It doesn't feel like Texas tech has enough to go get this done. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I think they're going to make some plays and they're going to have some moments in this football game, but whenever we've seen, I I think their offense is better than Iowa States right now. Um, I think the run game is, is better and I think they're, they're they've got some, some good wide receivers, but Whenever teams have had an opportunity to put Texas away, they just have not been able to do it, and it's oh, often it's been teams getting in their own way. Um, I I don't trust Texas Tech enough to be able to be dialed in, not make the big mistakes down the stretch if they do have a second half lead. So, reluctantly, think Texas wins the uh, the football game. I'm with you. Which means I'd rather Texas lose, and us still not get in. You know, than like uh, if we're not going to get in, I by Texas and Oklahoma State winning. I I'll just take the opposite where Texas loses and we don't get in if that's possible. Perfect. Yeah,
0: <laughs> at least they don't go to the playoff that way. You that's know? right. <laughs> but, that's right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. There are what one hundred twenty-six, one hundred twenty-eight different scenarios for the Big 12 championship game
1: some really weird ones
0: yeah so we'll see we'll see how it all works out uh last game i wanted to hit number 16 Oregon state goes to Autzen Stadium to take on number 6 Oregon this game will be 7:30 p.m. on friday Oregon is currently a 14 point favorite really i brought this game up to just Look at the picture of the Pac-12 right now. This this is going to be a very physical football game. There's no doubt. But any chance, even after the loss to Washington, any chance the Beavers can catch the Ducks, maybe glancing ahead to the potential rematch with Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, any chance of that happening?
1: Yeah, I think there's a chance. I think Oregon State's a really good football team. Um, the the my favorite Oregon. Oregon is really really good, really good, and I know that. Like you look at the USC game, and it's like, wow, you know that game was was closer than than I thought it was going to be. It was not close. Oregon scored on every single drive they had and they were all like 10 minutes long. <laughs> it was crazy. Just total, absolute control of that football game. They are great at running back. They are great at quarterback. They've got wideouts defensively solid in the front seven. They're a really good total football team. And I just I don't think that I don't think you can outplay Oregon at quarterback. I think in with them being at home and having the edge at quarterback, Bo Nix has been incredibly, he's completing almost 80% of his passes. And what's he have like 29, 30 touchdowns through the air and just two interceptions been incredibly efficient. Um, I think Oregon gets the win.
0: Bo Nix currently 3,539 yards passing. 78% completion percentage, 35 touchdowns, two interceptions. He also has five rushing touchdowns.
1: 40 touchdowns, two turnovers. Woo! Pretty, pretty good.
0: <laughs> pretty good. Now, I just trust Oregon to make more explosive plays offensively. That, that has just not been a strength especially when they've been playing good teams uh, of DJ Uyungle and that Oregon state offense. And and meanwhile, you mentioned it, Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving. Those guys are big plays waiting to happen for the ducks. And and I, I trust Bo Nix to take care of the football and play well and, and lead his team to the chance to win a PAC 12 championship game and a chance to go play in the college football playoff. And, you just mentioned the numbers. This game, also big-time Heisman Trophy implications for Bo Nix. Autzen Stadium is going to be rocking for this one. I kind of think Oregon State's walking into a buzzsaw
1: here, Ted. It feels that way, yeah. They've got I, – I think everyone is around Oregon in a good way is – I feeling like they've got something special there right now. Uh that's going to be a big atmosphere with everything on the line. Um I it's hard to imagine Oregon State getting the win, but Oregon State is a really good football team, you know, and if Oregon goes in and doesn't play like themselves, turns the football over, which they haven't done um, you know give up some some big plays over the top to Oregon state which you know that hasn't been much of a problem for him then I mean, yeah you can lose a football game but you'd have to have a very uncharacteristic game from Oregon
0: yeah i think Oregon's going to take care of business i think Washington is going to take care of business against Washington state and i think we're all going to get that rematch that we wanted in the Pac-12 championship game which is going to be awesome Yes, it is. Cannot wait. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing, and the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the Hip Clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the HIP Clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit com.
1: Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available.
0: As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of
1: the week? The college football playoff. Now, I I don't know. I thought about maybe saying the committee uh, could be my loser, but we're early for that. Right now, the way the college football playoff looks and is unfolding is awesome. You still have five undefeated teams going into the last week of the regular season. And I don't know if that's a record. I I don't know, but it it feels like a lot. (laughs) Five undefeated power five teams. And you've got Oregon, who's one loss. Texas, who's one loss, Alabama, who's one loss. So you have five undefeated and then you have three one loss teams that are poised to make and perhaps win their conference championships. It's, it's leading up to somebody that is very deserving being on the outside looking in and, sign me up for the chaos, like for all the weirdness and the anger and somebody's feelings are about to get hurt. It feels like, but you know, I will say that it's felt like this a couple of times before and college football does its thing. Whenever we all were so sure what the results were going to be and chaos ensues. And then the, the final picture clears up pretty quickly and we know who's going to make it. But as we sit right now, and and not just teams that are going to be deserving because of their record I, I like is this the deepest year for teams that you feel like have a a chance to win a championship now georgia's a big favorite but ohio state you could you could see that you could see michigan you could see washington and i know florida state lost their quarterback but before that I mean, they were a threat. Oregon, definitely a threat. Texas, definitely a threat. Alabama, definitely a threat. I mean, you're eight deep of teams that legit have a shot to win a championship.
0: Well, someone's going to have to beat Georgia for me to think that they're not going to win it. That's just kind of where I'm at at this point in the season. But I completely Mm -hmm. agree, man. And usually
1: it's a two horse race after like week eight.
0: Yeah, and it feels it, it feels like one of those years where a 12-team playoff would be so awesome. Yes. And then you realize, hey, we're getting that next year. There's gonna be years where people are gonna go, well, the BCS would have handled this year. There's two teams that are clearly better than everyone else. That's gonna happen, there's no doubt. But I think this season's the perfect example of why. More teams need to be in the tournament, if you will. Yeah. And I I know you love chaos. What's the most chaotic scenario in your mind? How, how could this play out to where there is maximum stress on the people of the college football playoff committee?
1: It really doesn't matter with Ohio State or Michigan, right? Who, whoever wins that game, wins the Big Ten, You've got you're going to have an undefeated Big Ten champion, okay? Um, Washington wins the Pac-12, right? Undefeated, so you'll have two undefeated conference champions. Florida State, which I still think it's a possibility that they could win it, Florida State wins the ACC, three undefeated. Uh, Power five conference champions. Texas wins. They're a one loss. And Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. That is the chaos scenario where you have the two time champion, defending champion that only has one loss. But the team they lost and that would be in, Alabama would be in. They have to be in, right? Their only loss is to Texas, who I, isn't that the most chaotic?
0: Yes, that's going to lead to some strong discourse, <laughs> is the best yeah. way to put it. I, in that scenario, this is how I'm viewing it. I think the Pac 12 game is an elimination game, the Pac 12 championship game. Mm-hmm. Is a win and you're in, losing you're out. And I think the same thing about the SEC championship game. I think if Georgia loses that game, they're out. Which seems crazy, but I know Texas. Their only loss, if they end up a 12 and one Big 12 champ, their only loss is on the last drive of the game in a neutral site rivalry game. That I think that Bama win carries a ton of weight with the committee. And it's this simple. Hey, Georgia, you lost the Bama and Texas beat Bama in Tuscaloosa by double digits. Sorry, you're out. You still may be the best team of the country, but you're out. I, you I can't don't. leave Florida state out if they're undefeated. I well, think Georgia would be on the outside looking in. I really do.
1: See, and that's what really makes the. That's what really makes the 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 conversation crazy is Florida State's without their best player now. So you got an undefeated Florida State conference champ who deserves to be there but you got Georgia with the one loss and you're without your best player. I mean that's that's what makes the argument even even crazier, right? Because it's juicy, man. I it's know, juicy. I, I love it. I'm excited, I, I wish o u was part of the discussion, but it is you know the easiest we thing be, we could become part of the discussion if we decide to throw the game against t c u and lose by like six or seven touchdowns to make Texas's loss <laughs> look worse <laughs> right? Don't put that
0: on us man now no i I do think, and this is this is not something that I think is going to happen the easiest way for the committee to get off the hook is for Iowa to somehow some way win the big 10 championship game. Yeah. That makes everything much cleaner, but I don't think that's going to happen, but could you imagine all those committee members are sitting there going, Oh, Please give us a break. Like Texas is what, uh, please give us a break. Please give us a break. And then I would knocks off Ohio state or Michigan.
1: The pressure is, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be steamy in the, uh, in the conference room where the committee's trying to come to a decision, right? That's, that is a lot of pressure because people are going to be pissed no matter what
0: it it could come down to a simple hey do you think undefeated Florida State is better than one lost Georgia every single member in that committee is going to go no but they're also they're not going to want to deal with Florida State fans those people are crazy I know so
1: I mean, it's it's the it's the balance between I it's the balance between who deserves it and who's earned it I, I mean it's hard it's hard i cuz but at the end of the day i this is why the committee is supposed to exist right to maybe see through what the what the you know what your schedule says and what you know your your points and all of that i it should be well georgia's clearly a better football team and we're supposed to find the best football team So, like, that's, I don't know, it's fun.
0: Well, the good thing is the committee is made up of a bunch of football experts. There's not a bunch of people on there that are athletic directors that have no background in football and are some of the busiest people on the planet and don't know the difference between counter and power and don't know the difference between cover one and cover two. But, you know, yeah, they're all experts. They all know, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. It's the
0: greatest
1: job in the world until it's the worst job in the world. Yeah,
0: I... (laughs) we could talk about it in the summer. I think once the playoff expands, the college football playoff committee, they need to reevaluate what that entire thing looks like. But yeah. That's that's a June or July conversation. All right. Who do you
1: have as your loser of the week? This one's more simple. Patrick Mahomes. Can somebody catch the football, please? Wow. It was
0: raining, but wow. I the most impressive things. And I would not be surprised if that's the matchup in the Super Bowl at all. I think both of those teams are damn good. But, dude, the Chiefs' defense is playing really well. And the Chiefs' offense just is not holding up their end of the bargain a lot of the times. And it's not the quarterback's fault.
1: (laughs) No. The playmaking is just... Not what it used to be. You now, uh, a couple of years ago, they had the the most dangerous, high flying offense in the league, second to nobody. Guys all over the field. Um, Patrick Mahomes was able to to get the most out of his talent with their skill position guys, and and their defense hung on, and they weren't bad but you know they were not the strength of the team it's split the defense is clearly the strength of the football team and mahomes does not have the playmakers around him that he used to and it it has made life difficult and they've got to change their approach a little bit you know it's he's he costs way more money now and it's harder to To surround him with a bunch of talent like he had previously, but you know, we've also seen this from Kansas city in previous years where they look like, oh man, I don't know there's this year. They're not going to be able to get it done. And whenever the time comes, they're able to flip the switch and really get rolling. So I don't know, but that was something to watch on Monday night. What a game though. What a, what a matchup. I mean, that was good.
0: Yeah. Ultimately, the conversation's a lot different if Valdez Scantling just catches the ball. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for a better ball in that situation. What a throw. What a throw. But, you know, Devontae Smith makes his play and Valdez Scantling drops his. Mm-hmm. That's that's the difference in the game. I will say Kansas City, the interior of their offensive line is so fun to watch. Creed Humphrey's so good. It's it's so much fun to watch.
1: It's an offensive line game. The Phillies ain't too bad either. Oh my gosh. Lane Johnson,
0: I I'm bored of watching Lane. He <laughs> never gets beat. <laughs> I'm bored of it. No, he's I, I think he's the best right tackle in football. I think Creed. I mean, you're watching the two best centers in football in that game with Kelsey and Creed. That there were so many fun things about that matchup. Jalen Hurts. He continues to play at a very high level, even though he's battling that knee injury. Uh, Kansas City ran it well. Like they ran it really, really well. They just, the wide receiver core did not make the big catches when they needed to make them, even the fourth down. I mean, that's about as hard as you could throw a football for Patrick Mahomes. And he puts it right on Watson, straight through the hands.
1: Yeah. Someone
0: helped the. $500 500 million dollar quarterback out please uh no it, we need more crazy. belldozer snaps that's what we need more 81 come on
1: yeah I was laughing uh I I'm sure you saw the Travis Kelsey post game interview there in the locker room I was just laughing because it's like this like this super serious contentious post game interview and not he didn't say anything wrong or it was just, he was upset about the game and I just, I can't stop laughing at the Blake Bell, uh, thing right behind him. I was like, that's just so funny. <laughs> Blake Bell's just, he's the best dude ever. Oh,
0: he is great. He's great. Frequent listener to this podcast, by the way. All right, let's get to my winner and loser,
1: but first elevate your tailgate with chapel supply and equipment in Oklahoma city. Chapel supply and equipment has generators and inverters on hand. That'll give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L-supply.com.
0: And First Fidelity Bank knows how to keep fans like you happy. With more than 50 awards in the last five years, including Forbes Best in State Bank, the Oklahoma's Community Choice Awards, and the Journal Records Reader Rankings, it's clear that that Oklahoma's number one pick for quality banking is First Fidelity Bank. And you can find that level of outstanding service in everything FFB offers. Open an account at an award-winning bank today at ffb.com. First Fidelity Bank, we go where you go.
1: And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off.
0: Okay, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Marquette basketball. Look at Shaka Smart's group. Maui Invitational taking place in Honolulu right now. Smacked Marquette, smacked number one Kansas. Watched a smacked ton of the game. Smacked set. Final score was 59 Marquette controlled the entire game. Iguodaro for them. I mean, that guy kind of dominated Hunter Dickinson. Twenty one and nine for the big fella. There was a uh, stark level of athleticism difference between those two gentlemen in the paint. And other than Kevin McCullough for Kansas, Marquette just looked more dynamic than Kansas. More shot creators. Got to be a little alarming for Jayhawks fans. And Marquette yep. did not shoot it well. They were six to 25 for three, and they only shot 12 free throws. Kansas yep. looked outmatched, brother.
1: I, Marquette is a much better fit for Shaka Smart, and the way he coaches and his system than Texas was um, just kind of that. I mean, I don't know. I, it just, it just feels like he's, he's a smaller school guy. Um, but that, that's impressive. Kansas, Kansas is almost like the chiefs to me at times. Like, there's years where it's like, oh, they're not going to win the Big Twelve this year. It's not going to happen. The streak is over, and they ultimately, by the end of the season, they get where they need to be, win the conference, and you know are one of the favorites heading into the tournament. I, but think that's impressive by Marquette.
0: It, it was. It was very impressive, and I think Houston. I, I think. I think Kansas could have a Houston problem.
1: Yeah, we got a different. It's a different conference this year. Yeah, it's different gonna fun. conference.
0: It's going to be fun. But my winner of the week, Ted. It's time for your Oklahoma City Thunder update. Ten and four, won five in a row. They've got the Bulls tonight. I'm expecting them to win that game and move to eleven and four. It's so satisfying. I pull up the NBA standings in my app. They're at the top. They're up there at the top of the Western Conference. Little little playoff line, and they're on the top of it, huh? The top (laughs) half over the little playoff line, man. It how fun is this? How fun is this? It's awesome. It's awesome. Jed Holmgren, undoubtedly leader for the Rookie of the Year right now. Uh, The three he hit, the three he hit to send the Warriors game into overtime was so sick. I. I love the edge that dude plays with. I'm a big fan, and people are starting to recognize that at this point, he's better than He I, I think he's got a great chance to be Rookie of the Year, especially if the Thunder keep winning at a high level. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he is going to be a legitimate MVP candidate if the Thunder are in the mix for a top four, top five seed. In the West. I mean, he just, he continues to improve defensively as well. Isaiah Joe may be on the best contract for a team in the entire NBA. Dude is shooting 50% from three. Crazy. Dort, Dort's contract, they paid him. That contract's looking good. He is, he guards the other team's best player every night. He's shooting 45% from three. Now, you would assume that that's, that's going to come down naturally over the course of the season, but then you've got Kaysen Wallace. He's been one of the best rookies in the league. He's also shooting over 50% from three. I mean, the Thunder is shooting the absolute hell out of the basketball. The only negative right now is Jalen Williams is missing games with a hip injury. I don't love that. Maybe, maybe it's all that muscle he added up top. Putting some stress on the hips, but <laughs> I, it doesn't sound like it's too serious. And he has been awesome. I mean, it's clear he has improved. I'm just getting very, very excited about this season. I'm not getting irrationally excited. I'm not going to overwin it at all, baby. I'm close, but I'm just, I'm just so happy that this team is so good. It's fun.
1: It's so crazy that it's it's taken pretty much my entire time ever watching the thunder for them to get the 3 and D guy. Uh we've had unbelievable defensive players but you know the the offensive side of it has been missing. If Dort is uh he's got it rolling. That's awesome.
0: He is I love watching him play. I he would have made more money playing football, but that's a different conversation. It'll be really funny if they lose to the bulls tonight and I just come (laughs) off the rails, be like, what are we doing? But I don't think that's going to happen. They have the 76ers, Minnesota, the Lakers and the Mavs in their next four. So I am, I I think that's going to be a really good measuring stick of where this team is at from a competitive standpoint. And I'm excited to see how it goes. So So much excitement. Kenrich Williams back, making all kinds of hustle plays. They're giddy. People just love criticizing giddy. And all the dude does is put up great stats. Yeah. He makes some mistakes, but look at that hair people. Come on. You can't be mad at the guy. He's gorgeous. What are we doing? But I am, I'm just, I'm very excited to watch the rest of this NBA season.
1: Yeah. It's, it's great to see that they're in the mix, man. That's uh and, it's it's been coming we've been able to see it you know the 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 future has looked bright for a while now and it's good to see it that it's all coming together um love that Holmgren is is as polished as he is for really his first year playing obviously he was around last year and got to probably gain some experience just watching the league and and everything what goes into it and I guess he he was he was practicing pretty heavily towards the end of last year too so it's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pumped about it
0: as am I, my loser of the week, Zach Wilson mm. was supposed to be a reset year for him. Supposed to be a red shirt year. He was supposed to sit behind Aaron Rodgers and learn and improve and have kind of all the vitriol that's been surrounding him the last couple of years kind of dissipate. And Rodgers goes out with the Achilles. He has not played well. And now for the third time, he has been bitched by the New York Jets. They're four and six. They've lost three in a row. And Robert Salas said, hey, we're benching him to start Tim Boyle. And actually, I guess Wilson's going to be the third string quarterback behind Boyle and Trevor Simeon. This was, Ted, that's – this was supposed to be a kind of reset year for this guy, and I don't know if there's any coming back from this. He's been – he's been the worst quarterback in football over the last three years.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm not suggesting that Zach Wilson is a great quarterback but he was thrown into a horrible position and he's playing behind one of, if not the worst offensive line in the NFL. Uh, They've had injury problems. I think there's been like 14 or 15 different linemen that have had to rotate through and play and start. Um, You are about to witness how difficult it is to play quarterback for the Jets whenever we watch them play this weekend. Be prepared for the most atrocious quarterback show you've ever seen in your life. Now, the Dolphins defense is not great. Um, So maybe it's not nearly as, as bad as it could look, but it, Zach Wilson is not as bad as he's looked, is I guess what I'm getting to. And he's looked really bad. He's not great. But that situation is, I mean, Aaron Rodgers played, what did he play, three or four snaps? And every single one of those snaps, he was avoiding contact. And he ended up tearing his Achilles three plays into the season. So, I mean, you got to keep some of that in mind. Remember back to hard knocks. Do you remember how pissed their coaches were about the offensive line and how we've got to get better? We like he essentially not as, he literally called out the entire offensive line in almost every team meeting about how they're the group that's holding the team back. <laughs> you know, it's like that hasn't changed. And that you gotta recognize that and we're gonna see it with what's his name? Boy
0: Tim. Boyle, fifth year in the league. Uh his NFL stats, three touchdowns, nine interceptions.
1: Well, he's it's going to be three interceptions and nine sacks whenever <laughs> they play this weekend. Is it gonna be his stat line?
0: I, I think that's the Black Friday game.
1: Oh, is it? Is on yeah. Friday?
0: Okay. So nothing like being named the starter and then having a short week to prepare. Nice. I, everyone tune in for the slaughter to have a little
1: bit of appreciation for Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah. This is, I, I can't imagine that. I think that's an Amazon game. I can't imagine Amazon thought they were paying for Tim Boyle to start for the jets.
1: I hate streaming sports. It's the worst thing ever.
0: Why do you hate them so much? Because it, it seems like it's headed that direction, friend. You you maybe I need know. to
1: start adjusting. I know. I, I know it, and I, I have adjusted, but it just, it it's just a pain. It doesn't, it works so much easier on a, with a cable box and a DVR, the functionality is a million times better, but. It's a worthless complaint. I hear you. It's where we're going. Some
0: stats I saw from The Athletic regarding Zach Wilson. Over the last three years, of the 36 quarterbacks that qualified, he is 35th out of 36 in EPA per dropback, 36th in total QB EPA, 36th in passer rating, 36th in completion percentage, and 36th and third down conversion percentage. He has quite literally been the worst quarterback in the NFL that has played consistently over the last three years. So if you're wondering, hey, has it been that bad for him? The answer is an unequivocal yes, he's been terrible.
1: Man, and I saw a highlight video on Twitter. Maybe you saw this, and I don't know who posted it, but it was highlights of Zach Wilson when he was in college. Oh. And it said, like, where'd this guy go? And it was like, oh, my God. It was incredible. Highlight film. And, yeah, that's how hard the NFL is. Yeah. It will break you. The Jets will break you. They always have. The league broke
0: both of us, and it has broken Zach Wilson, dead.
1: Broke Zach Wilson. It broke. The Jets broke Aaron Rodgers in three plays.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Birthday shout-outs. Happy 5th birthday to Thomas Beckett Wright. Happy 10th birthday to Will Stone. Happy upcoming birthday to Trayton Mooseman. And happy 75th birthday to Grandpa Charles Hollingsworth. On that note, episode 373 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on the ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have an incredible Thanksgiving. Remember what it's all about, people. Faith, family, food, and the football. Let's go. Have an awesome holiday. Have an awesome experience if you're going to the game on Friday. Have a great weekend, people. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.